Hello, Pastor Steve Waldron with Biblical Archaeology Today. I'm so grateful you're here with us. I'm very thankful to be your host. I'm going to ask you if you'd join us. We don't usually do this in a word of prayer. God would give us a great lesson today. So let's pray together. God, in the name of the Lord Jesus, anybody who listens to this, let us be filled with your spirit and your love, Jesus. Not only truth be spoken. And God, anybody who listens to any part of this podcast, the other previous, and again, be filled with your love and your spirit. And we worship you, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, so we're looking at the Gospel of Judas today. I just really felt to pray for whatever reason. We all need prayer. I'm human. The Gospel of Judas is a non-canonical gospel. Again, thanks for being here. This is just from Wikipedia, a little brief thing about it. The content consists of conversations between Judas Iscariot and Jesus, given that it includes late 2nd century theology. It's widely thought to have been composed in the 2nd century prior to 180 uh, AD by Gnostic Christian. That's pretty amazing. We looked at the Gospel of Mary a couple days ago. Also probably Gnostic very early, maybe even earlier than this. The only copy known to exist is Coptic language text that's been garbage dated to 280 AD plus or minus 60 years. It's been suggested the text derives from an earlier manuscript in the Greek language, English translation published early 2006 by National Geographic. Um, it's got historical significance. I really wanted to do this particular one because of the National Geographic publication several years ago. It has been very popular and a lot of misunderstandings about it. So here's the significance of it. In contrast to the canonical Gospels, which paint Judas as a betrayer who delivered Jesus to the authorities for crucifixion in exchange for money, the Gospel of Judas portrays Judas' action as done in obedience to instructions given to him by Jesus. Now, weirdly enough, later when you get to Islamic theology, very early Islamic theology, 7th, 8th century, though maybe even that era, maybe a little after that is even, uh, you find echoes of this a little bit. In certain streams of it, there's not you know it's not unified. It asserts that the other disciples have not learned the true gospel which Jesus taught only to Judas, so follower belonging set apart for the holy generation among his disciples. Yikes! Um, now, Doctor April Deconic, she says that's not true. It was done by a group of Sethians. And it's a parody of the demon Judas. Now, who are the Sethians? One of the main currents of Gnosticism during the 2nd and 3rd century AD, along with Valentinism and Basiliatism. According to John D. Turner, it originated in the 2nd century AD as a fusion of two distinct Hellenistic Judaic philosophies and influenced by Christianity and Metaplotonism. However, the exact origin of Sethanism has not been properly understood. So there was three branches of Gnosticism, of which Sethanism was one of them. Sethianism. And it's mentioned, Sethians first mentioned alongside as the Ophites in the 2nd century by Irenaeus. And that was uh, late 2nd century and also Pseudo-Tertullian. Hippolytus repeats the information of uh, Arrhenius and Epiphanius of oh, Salamis. Salamis. Um, 
and it gives a uh, history. Philaster's 4th century catalog of heresies places the Ophites, Cainites, and Sethians as pre-Christian Jewish groups or sects. However, since Sethians identified Seth with Christ, second logos of the great Seth, Philaster's belief that the Sethians had pre-Christian origins other than in Socratic absorption, Jewish and Greek pre-Christian sources not found acceptance in uh, later scholarship. So let's see the Sethians are. And uh, getting back to the codex itself that they think came from this, um, the codex contains text that appears to be in the form of the late 2nd century and includes first known surviving copy of self-titled Gospel of Judas, Evangeline Judas, which relates the story of Judas' death from the viewpoint of Judas. And again, it's from 223 AD, most likely. Manuscript disintegrated in over a thousand pieces. Numerous sections are missing as a result of poor handling and storage. Some passages are only scattered words. Um, the codex originally contained 31 leaves, each written on both sides. By the time the codex came to the market in 1999, only 13 leaves survived. Individual leaves may have been removed and sold. Codex have been stored in a cardboard box for two decades. It was shopped around to potential buyers and various points have been stored in a freezer or safety deposit box in Long Island folded in half. Not a great idea with ancient papyrus. It's been speculated on the basis of textual analysis concerning features of dialect and Greek loanwords that the Coptic text contained in the Codex may be a translation from an older Greek text from about 130 to 170 AD. So, there's that. Um... It's uncertain whether the text mentioned by Arrhenius is in fact the same text as the Coptic Gospel of Judas found in the Codex uh, Tukakos. Tukakos. So, uh, the Gospel of Judas is mentioned by Arrhenius of Lyons. So, it has 16 chapters which document Jesus' teaching about spiritual matters and cosmology. Jesus is the only one of, excuse me, Jesus is the only one of Jesus Jesus' disciples to accurately understand the words of his master. Yeah, I doubt it. The gospel contains ideas that contradicted the doctrine of the early church. The author says that God is essentially a luminous cloud of light and exists in an imperishable realm. Adamist, the spiritual father of all humanity, is created in God's image and dwelt in an imperishable realm. I mean, you can see some hints of truth in there. At the beginning of time, God created a group of angels and lower gods. Twelve angels were willed to come into being to rule over chaos in the underworld. Boy, that sounds Mesopotamian. The angels of creation were tasked with, in Sumerian, with creating a physical body for Adamus, which became known as the first man, Adam. Gradually, humanity began to forget its divine origins, and some of Adam's descendants, Cain and Abel, came embroiled in the world's first murder. Many humans came to think that the imperfect physical universe was the totality of creation, losing their knowledge of God and the imperishable man. Jesus sent as the son of the true God, not one of the lesser gods. His mission was to show that salvation consists in connecting with the God within the man. Through embracing the internal God, the man can then return to his imperishable realm. Sounds new agey, doesn't it? Eleven of the disciples... Jesus chose to spread his message, misunderstood the central tenets of his teaching. In the Bible, obviously, Luke 24 clearly contradicts that, verses 38 and 39. They're obsessed with the physical world of the senses. The author says they continued to practice religious animal sacrifice, which pleased the lower gods, but didn't help connection with the true God. 
They were only taught that those martyred in the name of Christ would be bodily resurrected. But of course, there they have it. Judas has the gospel. Sounds like the false prophet. Uh, mankind will be divided into two races or groups. Those who are furnished with the immortal soul like Judas can come to know God within and enter the imperishable realm when they do. I remember hearing a story of Judas on old-time radio that was absolutely hilarious. It's really false, sad. Those among the same group as the other 11 disciples cannot enter the realm of God and will die both spiritually and physically at the end of their lives. There's practices that are intertwined with the physical world, animal sacrifice, and a communion ceremony involving cannibalism, uh, consuming Jesus' flesh and blood, John 6. That was also the Romans accused them of that, are condemned as abhorrent. The other gospels say that Jesus had to die in order to atone for sins of humanity. The author of the Gospel of Judas expresses the view that sort of substitutionary justice only pleases the lower gods and angels. The true God is gracious and does not man any sacrifice. Sounds like Rob Bell. So, uh, Amy Jill Levine, professor of New Testament at Vanderbilt Divinity. Um, Lane Pagels, obviously, seemed to look at it as Gnostic. In centuries following Jesus' death, many differing views of the meaning of his life and death existed. Nicene Christianity existed alongside various cults, one of which was labeled Gnosticism for centuries until they started killing them, the Nicene Christians. But we won't go there. Nicene Christians start killing the rivals, like the Arians and the Sabellians and the others. Um... So it was a modern rediscovery. And uh, it was also argued that close reading of the extent text is presented in October 2006 shows Christianity in new light. Lane Pagel, she's big like the Gnostic Gospels and all this stuff. It has dialogue Gospels, uh, several examples, including the Gospel of Mary, which we did a little thing on the other day. Um... The Gospel of Jesus portrays the scribes as approaching Jesus with the intention of arresting him and Judas receiving money from them after handing Jesus over to them. However, unlike Judas in the canonical Gospels, who's portrayed as villain and excoriated by Jesus, the Judas uh, Gospel portrays Judas as a divinely appointed instrument of a grand and predetermined purpose. In the last days, they will curse your ascent to the holy generation. Elsewhere in the manuscript, Jesus favors Judas above other disciples, saying, Step away from the others, and I will tell you the mysteries of the kingdom. Look, you've been told everything. Lift your eyes. Look to the cloud and the light within the star surrounding it. The star leads the way is your star. So, uh, again, it was a rediscovery. Uh, between 3 and $10 million was paid for it. And uh, also a lot of scholarly debate. And uh, the language of the same Sahidic dialect of Coptic, which Coptic texts of the Hamadai Library written, Codex has four parts, the letters of Peter to Philip, the first apocalypse of James, uh, the Alagones, and others. So, I mean, this is obviously a spurious gospel. But it got so much press a few years ago, you occasionally still run across it. I just kind of wanted to expose it as a really bad forgery. And these things were not uh, unique. There's tons of them out there. If you want to read about them, it's Lane Pagel. A lot of people, I mean, the, the 
conspiracy du jour of today is at the Council of Nicaea, Constantine outlawed all these things. None of that happened. None of that happened in the Council of, of Nicaea. And I don't really even know where they get that from, even unless it's just error perpetuated. So God bless. Thanks for being here. We'll talk with you later. Bye-bye.